Hi, everyone. It's Mandy. Before we go into it, patrons, you are everything. Thank you so much for being supporters of the show, supporters of the Restorative Grief platform everywhere it's found. Because I've been doing this for a while now, but I tell you, running with others makes it so much more enjoyable. So if you're interested in all the premium content, exclusive interviews coming up, or even just supporting the methods and the work because you know it makes an impact in your life and in others, then we would love to have you join us. Check out the show notes for links and that's that's it. Let's get into it. <laughs> Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You are listening to episode 66 titled Our Forgotten Grievers. This week, we're going to chat about how easily children are overlooked as grievers who need support and insight. I cannot tell you how many times I've had the honor of helping a child move through loss. It's truly a place of humility because kids will teach us more about grief than we ever think possible. So I can't wait to dive in and help you learn a little bit more about how to care for the littlest grievers among us because they need just as much support as anyone else through grief. As parents, grandparents, or even friends, we tend to see children as resilient because they're not necessarily expressing the heaviness of grief all the time. We can assume we can care for ourselves and trust that they will internalize the things that we express that are helpful for grief. But resilience is an easily misunderstood characteristic. We don't want to deny resilience is meaningful because it is, but we also don't want to glorify it as some kind of proof that someone has healed and no longer requires our support. When we recognize resilience in our kids, we may fail to recognize that our own ability to think, emote, and feel through grief is a skill we've developed over time, or maybe we are still developing it. Our kids have far less awareness of what they're thinking and feeling in so much as putting those words and thoughts into a language to share. And as a former teacher, I think that children are brilliant, so don't hear me saying anything but... But the way they acknowledge and understand loss is going to be significantly different than how we move through it as adults, because their emotional intelligence is factually less developed than the average adult. I realize there are quite a few adults who struggle with emotional intelligence too, but that's not the point of this conversation, okay? <laughs> We're talking about kids. And one thing kids have going for them as grievers is their ability to compartmentalize. They're still learning about the world, and their thoughts can jump from concept to concept without warning. Have you ever tried to talk about loss with a child? They're listening, but they may be quick to move on to another topic or interrupt and tell you what's on their mind. It's not a lack of empathy, compassion, or understanding, nor is it a lack of interest. This is all something completely new in their lives, and they're just not processing it the same way we are as adults. We have a lot of ideas about how to teach or even protect our kids from the experience of loss and what grief might look like. Trust me, I'm a parent and a grief educator, so there are times I've wondered if my own child knows too much about loss. She's experienced it herself in so many ways, and she knows the weight of grief on her family. But part of our work is kindly inviting our kids into the process and understanding without expecting them to express their grief in a way that makes us feel comfortable about it. Kids are like all grievers in that respect, right? No one, 
No one wants to make the pain feel heavier for themselves or anyone else or to deal with the discomfort of tears that we can't control. So the way a child might demonstrate their grief is a little like jumping through puddles. Maybe the first puddle they find is griefy and deep and difficult to get out of. But the second might be light and playful, splashy and fun. And maybe the third puddle is even a little interesting or muddy. Because we see resistance to a grief conversation or maybe perceive it as a lack of interest, we may avoid the topic altogether with our kids and chalk it up to their resilience. This is where we can misstep, allowing our children to just compartmentalize for life on this loss rather than build some skills on how to integrate their experience and understanding of grief into their daily lives. Basically, your kids will tell you when they're ready to talk about loss, but that does not mean you can't ask the questions and try to start the conversation. Think about the type of grief a child may encounter. Because yes, a physical death of a family member is prominent and obvious, but so too are the deaths of a pet, the loss of a classmate to a move, a divorce in the family, or even a friendship falling apart. Because these are all valid, easily disenfranchised grief events that you can use as a parent or support role to engage the difficult conversation of learning how to pursue healing. But as we do so, we have to be really clear and honest about the process with our kids. We cannot rely on euphemisms, metaphors, or even religious language that explains away the practical reality of death, disconnection, or grief. It may be that someday a metaphor about the life cycle of a star can help your child understand the way your religious beliefs impact your experience of grief. Today, however, a child needs to know the facts. Because a child's brain is full of beautiful imagination. If you, like me, are only given part of the story, no matter what the story is, then your childlike imagination or anxiety, however you want to call it, may try to fill in all the unknowns with worst case scenarios. Like if you've ever waited for a phone call day after a day, you know exactly which imaginary storylines I'm talking about. So telling your child that their pet is in a better place, upstate, happily running around on the farm with other bunnies, is inappropriate at best. Because you have not mentally prepared for the questions that will follow, like, why can't we go see our bunny for a visit? Why can't I get a chance to call or get some pictures? How come I didn't get to say goodbye? Our self-preservation minds as adults think that little white lies like this are a stroke of brilliance in the moment, but long-term, they're not only unsustainable, but they teach our children that we're not capable of being honest about really hard things, and that breaks connection. Let me give you a personal story about a bunny. (laughs) We actually owned a very large black velveteen Rex bunny before our daughter came along, but when we moved into our new house with our new little girl, we found a new family for our bunny to go live with as well. It was definitely a sad moment and a source of grief for us. And we took a whole day teaching our daughter how to say goodbye and to make sure she understood that our bunny wasn't dying. He was just going to live with a new family where they would have other bunnies for him to have with friends. A few years later, the family who adopted the bunny let us know that over time, our bunny had lost his vision, grown old, and lost the use of some leg power and eventually died. Because the bunny wasn't a daily topic of conversation at our house at that point, we had the ability to wait a year or so until our child was older to learn about the death of our bunny. 
And when she finally asked, I was direct. I told her that Bunny Wally, as we called him, was happy and healthy until about a year earlier when he died of old age. I explained that the family who lived with took very good care of him, burying him in a place where no other animals would find him or dig him up. And I let her ask any questions she might have had. And we definitely cried together for a bit. She asked about Benny's going to heaven, which is a lovely thought. But I had to be honest and tell her that as much as I would love to guarantee an afterlife with our pets, no one has any real answers. And that's part of what makes grieving or death and dying such a difficult idea to confront with our kiddos. But by the end of the conversation, our daughter felt seen and heard. She and I were able to talk a little bit more about the death of my mom as well, which happened before she was even two years old. Loss is an inevitable part of our human experience, but the conversations around death, dying, and grief do not have to be the elephant in the room we avoid for a lifetime I want to address one last thing here that's easily controversial, so I'm happy to hear your thoughts. When it comes to death, funerals, wakes, caskets, cremation, and all the other processes and ceremonies we experience after a loss, I want you to consider including your children. See, this goes back to understanding their perspective of the world and their ability to imagine and fill in the blanks. All of these types of things are probably their first encounters with death in the world. So they're learning about life for the first time through us and the way we approach each situation. If a child wants to see the casket, I think we include them and let them see. Will there be questions you can't answer? A hundred percent yes, but that's true of every situation. And this is one situation that can affect your child's ability to healthfully navigate death and dying with emotional maturity and honesty as they grow. The same is true of children attending a funeral, experiencing sadness, needing mental health support. Our kids deserve information because just like us, they're human. Inviting them transparently and in an age-appropriate way into the process is an important step to help our kids learn to grieve as they grow, because our kids are grieving, no question. They may not know how to say it, but their lack of language is not evidence for a lack of grief. So as you process and work through your own grieving, consider allowing your children to ask you questions, to see you experiencing loss and tears, not in a way that puts any responsibility for healing on their shoulders, but in a way that allows them to see you as human too, in need of compassion and support. Thank you for listening to episode 66 of Restorative Grief. Death and dying are topics the entire Western culture is uncomfortable with discussing, and a lot of good that avoidance has done us. We are sicker and sadder as a nation today than we've ever been. So this is our chance to start releasing some healing into the next generation by allowing them to engage their whole selves in ways we've never been allowed to do for ourselves. Grief literacy matters, and this is our chance to teach others about what it means. What would shift for your child's understanding and yours if you started getting honest with your kids about loss? I know in our house, it's been a difficult and ongoing conversation, but it's made all of us healthier and more connected to one another, both in the good times and the hard. And I think kids everywhere deserve a little more credit about what they can handle and understand because seriously, they are always listening and learning. So let's teach them how to be intentional and honest too. 
If this is your first time listening to Restorative Grief, I want to thank you for choosing such a touchy topic to start. This really is a show about grief literacy at its core, which means nothing if our generation catches on, but doesn't pass it along to the one behind us. So please be sure to subscribe, leave a glowing five-star review to help other grievers find us, and share this episode with a parent or guardian in your life, because they might need to hear this right now. Thanks again for everyone who supports the show financially. Patrons, you are absolute knockouts. I mean it. Just beautiful people. If you're interested in becoming a patron and gaining access to bonus episodes and live monthly chats with Restorative Grief, check out the link in our show notes. And as always, one last thing. Please remember, the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.